This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Hubble, spelt H-U-B-B-L. It fuses streaming and free-to-air TV into a single experience, which means you don't have to go in and out of apps to discover content you'll love. Hubble, it's TV and streaming made easy. Good morning, I'm Alex Ty. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday the 17th of July. In your Squiz today, China and US talks heat up, A win for the Libs in Fadden, Australia wins the women's ashes, and a fancy document goes on display. This is your Squiz Today. We don't really need to remind squizzers, but diplomatic relations between the US and China have not been super chummy over the last couple of years. But this week, there is another effort being made to patch over affairs with the arrival of John Kerry in Beijing for climate talks. So John Kerry is the US president's special envoy for climate, uh, and he's a longstanding senior figure in American politics. Mm. He follows in the footsteps of Antony Blinken, who's the United States Secretary of State, and also Janet Yellen, who's the Treasury Secretary, who have both been in China in the past month month. It's the start of a warming up of US-China relations. Kerry's role this week, though, is to try and push forward some cooperation on climate change, also to push for the reduction in global greenhouse gas emissions. Mm. Together, the US and China make up 40% of all global emissions, and China burns more coal than all of the other countries put together. So progress on climate really does depend on how those two nations act. And also, they're the two largest investors in clean energy. But Kerry has said in the past that things aren't moving quickly enough for his liking. And at this meeting, he'll be looking for, quote, specific actions that are going to move the ball here. And if Kerry and his Chinese counterparts need any more motivation, this week in Beijing, it is hot. Yeah, there's been a heatwave in China over the last few weeks and the Northern Hemisphere is really going through it at the moment. Uh, We heard last week about record global temperatures and this week those records are expected to be outdone again. In the US yesterday, there were 110 million people, which is a third of the entire country, under heat advisories or warnings, and Mm. experts say that it's going to get worse this week. Mm. Uh, There are record-breaking wildfires in Canada. There have been 30 people who were killed in South Korea with extreme floods. And in Israel, the heat even hospitalised Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Yes, Netanyahu went outside in the heat without a hat and water, which he said in a video statement from hospital was, quote, not a good idea. Claire, we called it, along with everybody else calling it, of course. The by-election in Fadden went just about as everybody expected on Saturday with the Liberal National Candidate Cameron Caldwell handily taking out the seat. Yeah, there were no real surprises there. Hmm. Uh, Fadden is a federal seat. It's on the Gold Coast and it was at that by-election because Stuart Robert, who was a former minister in the coalition government, he resigned from politics. The new Liberal National Party member, 
member, Caldwell, he had a 2 to 3% swing towards him. And over the weekend, there was a bit of positioning, I guess, mm. uh, about what that result actually means for federal politics. The Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, who of course is from the Labor Party, said that anything less than a 4% swing was embarrassing for the coalition. But Susan Lee, who is the Deputy Liberal Party leader, said that the swing exceeded their expectations. There is also speculation and disagreement over what that swing means for Queensland's next state election in October next year, Claire. And yes, people are already talking about an election in October next year. So the fun just never ends in politics. (laughs) There's always an election around the corner somewhere. It is the end of the road for Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe. On Friday, we learned that he will be losing his job and being replaced by his deputy, Michelle Bullock. And unlike Lowe, who is ending his run as quite an unpopular figure... Bullock has had some glowing reviews over the weekend. Yeah, Philip Lowe certainly has copped a lot of criticism over recent months. But for Michelle Bullock, she's been called someone who very quickly masters a brief and also is a plain speaker who has lots of emotional intelligence. Mm. Uh, The coalition was also pretty happy with Bullock's appointment. Their Treasury spokesperson, Angus Taylor, called her a highly capable and qualified economist. And the unions noted that she's the first woman to lead the Reserve Bank. As for Bullock's job, she's also tasked with getting inflation down. The Reserve Bank has a target of 2 to 3%, so there's a bit of work to do there because we're in the fives and sixes. Mm. Uh, she also has an additional task. She's got to implement the reforms after a recent review into the Reserve Bank. Treasurer Jim Chalmers, who of course appointed Bullock, said that she has the best combination of attributes to take the bank forward and implement those reforms. And a fun little quirk to this story, Claire, is that Chalmers went to India yesterday for a meeting of global finance ministers and going with him was Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe. A week away with the guy you just dumped. Uh, yeah, I, I truly hope it's not awkward for them. <laughs> I think I had a week away with the guy who dumped oh, me. No, but Claire. anyway, I can't remember it was good anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh message now from our podcast partner, Hubble. You know what it's like. Your friend recommends a great film or TV show and you're excited to check it out, but suddenly realise you can't remember what she said it was. That's where Hubble, spelt H-U-B-B-L, comes in. It brings your streaming apps and free-to-air TV together into a single experience. You can easily search for your favourite content and keep track of what you want to continue watching. You can also watch free-to-air TV with or without an aerial using the integrated TV guide so you always know what's on and where. It's TV and streaming made easy. Go to hubble.com.au to find out more. It was a packed weekend of tennis with the Wimbledon finals, Claire. And first up, it was a very exciting result for the women. Yeah, it wasn't such an exciting game, though. Marketa Vandrasova beat on the Jabor 6-4, 6-4. It was a pretty quick and decisive game. Uh, Vandrasova became the first unseated player to win the women's Wimbledon title. It's an incredible result for her, particularly because just 12 months ago she was badly injured and she reflected on that win that she really 
really didn't think that she was going to get there, but it was crazy, she said. <laughs> um, you've got to feel, though, for Jabor, it's the third Grand Slam tournament final that she's lost. She hasn't won one, but she's come close three times. That is tough for her. And overnight, the men played with Carlos Alcaraz, the 20-year-old, winning Wimbledon against Novak Djokovic in a five-set thriller. And speaking of winners, our women's cricket team have taken out the Ashes series overnight. They won their one-day game against England by three runs, putting the series beyond doubt, which is a great start to the week. I reckon that most of us would have learned about the Magna Carta back in high school, but this update has been a good refresher for me, at least. Magna Carta is Latin for the Great Charter, and it is the founding document of England's system of laws. Now, Australia owns a rare copy of the document, and there are plans to put it on public display late next year. So it's the document that formalises the principles of things like trial by jury, uh, freedom from arbitrary detention and also the need for leaders to follow the same rules as citizens. So it's basically the ground zero of how our society should function. Mm. Um, According to the parliamentary librarian, Diane Herriot, uh, they have to find a suitable display case that will surround it with appropriate inert gas (laughs) to ensure that it doesn't deteriorate, which sounds pretty tricky. Mm. Um, As for how Australia got a copy, it's from the year... 1297, and it's one of four copies that survives from that time. It was found in an English school desk and it became the first to leave England. It was bought by the Menzies government back in 1952. And back when they bought it, they paid £12,500, but experts now reckon it is worth over £35 million, which is a pretty good investment, I would say. Squiz the day, Claire. Term three begins in New South Wales, the ACT and WA. Yep, kids heading back to school. Uh, It's also World Emoji Day. And Mm. if you listen to Saturday's Squiz, Kate and I talked about the need for a white wine emoji. (laughs) It seems like a very good time to actually get a campaign off the ground. So I think I'll be talking (laughs) to the team about that today. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening and we'll be back again tomorrow. Hi there, it's Bryce from Squiz Kids, the daily news podcast for small people. March is Women's History Month and we're celebrating over on our socials. Every weekday this month, we're throwing the spotlight on a different iconic woman from Australia's rich history. Follow us on Instagram via the handle at Squiz Kids to learn the backstories of some incredible Aussie women and together honour their legacies.